This episode of Echoes in the Bones is brought to you by the Institute of Cultural Policy and Innovation, ICPI. ICPI, providing services in business development and coaching. ICPI, leaders in online training in event planning and intellectual property. Visit our website today at www.icpi-ja.com. Welcome to another episode of Echoes in the Bones. My name is Dennis Howard, and I have a very special guest. If you are into communication, as I am, and if you are a podcaster or a vlogger, it is important to talk about communication. And our very special guest is somebody who is a master of communication and public speaking. We want to welcome Brendan Kumara Sami to the, to the program. Brendan, how are you doing? Very good, Dennis. How are you? So tell us about yourself. How did you become a master of public speaking? I, I, I suspect that it wasn't something that you had on your mind at the beginning of your career or when you were in college. Definitely not. Yeah. How it started was when I was in college, university, Dennis, I went to business school and the goal is never to be a coach or anything like that. I wanted to work at a management consulting firm like IBM or Bain or McKinsey. So I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing baseball or basketball or some other sport. I wasn't really into that. I did presentations competitively. And that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students in college on how to communicate because we didn't really have a coach and we needed somebody to help them with the competitions. And it was that that gave me the idea for Master Talk because I realized everything that I was sharing wasn't available for free on the internet. So I started making videos. Is it your business now or do you, are you, uh, have you ventured into other areas of business? That's correct. So, the, the business was built accidentally, Dennis. So I started the YouTube channel Master Talk probably three and a half years ago while I was working as a technology consultant at IBM. And then as the years went on, I was able to get a lot of executive clients and entrepreneurs who wanted my help. And then it blew up into a coaching business. And that's what I do full time. A lot of business people, entrepreneurs, the, 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 the notion of speaking in public the notion of doing an interview is kind of daunting for them. And what do you suggest to people? Give me some tips as to, before they come to you, what they would want to do to overcome this fear. And it's amazing. Some people are communicators and they will read a script well, and they will present on television or radio. Yet, if you put them in front of the public, it's a different ball game. So what, 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 what are some of the, the antidotes for these kinds of persons? Yeah, absolutely, Dennis. You know, for me, I always start the conversation and we'll get into the tips with doing something that most people don't do. Because you're right, whenever we think of communication, the words that come to mind are fear, anxiety, failure, stress, which I hate. Like, that's not what communication is. Communication is to help people. So for me, the question to ask and to think about is how would your life change? If you're an exceptional communicator, 
communication is so much more than giving a presentation at work. It's the way that we talk to our families. It's the way that we argue with our families. It's the way that we have dinner and order food at a restaurant. And it's the way that we meet strangers when we travel. When we realize that communication is every moment of our life and that helps lead to a more fulfilling life, yeah. then we can start to dream about what we want in our communication, get us more excited. And then we can jump into the tips. That's the mindset play. So why do we struggle with public speaking? Is it Why? Yeah, so the reason, in my opinion, is because of the education system. Think about it. Where did we learn how to communicate ideas, Dennis? Elementary school and high school, whether we live in Jamaica, whether we live in Canada or any country. But here's the problem, Dennis. All of those presentations have three things in common. Number one, all of those presentations are mandatory. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, hey, hey Dennis, you want to like get breakfast and present all day? Nobody really says that. That's number one. Number two is all of those presentations are different. We never get to pick the topic in the education system. It's never, what are you passionate about, Dennis? What are you passionate about, Brandon? Do you like podcasting? Do you like culture studies? No, you have to talk about the history of the U.S. or the Renaissance or Shakespeare, you don't really have a say, so it's boring. And then number three, which is the most important one, Dennis, every presentation is tied to a punishment. If you don't do a great job, you lose marks. So we grow up thinking communication is a chore and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. Is it also a function of sometimes socialization where adults tell you that your opinion is not important and they don't communicate in a, in a, in a free flow, two-way kind of, of modality. Instead, you're given instructions and you are to follow and you don't have an opinion. I, I think that's a powerful reason as well. I definitely think the idea, especially when we're younger, Dennis, like when you're five years old, because I've coached a lot of kids too in my career, they don't care about public speaking. They love it. Because they don't have a fear of rejection. They don't understand what that is. They know what the fear of judgment is, all that stuff. But as they get older, the opinionated piece is a big one. Basically, what to your point around creativity, because I know you're an expert in that area, society stifles our creativity. They tell us to follow a line. They tell us to do this thing or else. They don't tell us to spread our wings and fly. And that's really the challenge. And there's a great quote by this by a movie called Yes Man. Dennis, and the quote is this, the world is our playground. As kids, we know that well, but as adults along the way, we forget it. When you talk about public speaking, uh, there's an issue say, like a, in, a, in a country like Jamaica, where there is a difference between our Jamaican language and the standard English. So a lot of our Jamaican first people are fluent in Jamaican, but are not fluent in English. And there is a stigma attached to our Jamaican vernacular speech because of colonialism and all of that. So sometimes people feel that they cannot express themselves without speaking in English. And I'm saying, is it important, the language pattern, or is it the ability to communicate, whether it's vernacular, whether it's standard French or whether it's standard Spanish or English. Is there a difference? Absolutely, Dennis. I'm glad you brought that up. So the way that I think about this, communication is all about expressing your full authentic you in the best possible way. 
And the last piece is important in the best possible way, right? So regardless of the language, it's all about how do we master the basic techniques that apply to all languages. And I'm also empathetic to this because English is, is, is actually one of my languages. That's my first language. But I also keynoted French because since I grew up in Montreal, I know that language really well. But I struggled my whole life because I was presenting a language I didn't know because I grew up in a French education system. So when I was giving presentations, I would look and go, uh, bonjour. So there's actually a strategy around this that I teach that I'm happy to talk about. So it's three parts. Number one, whenever you have a speech coming up, write it in your first language. And the reason is because the difference to your first and your second language is just culture and vocabulary. You grew up speaking that language. You understand the quotes, the vocab. So write it in the language you know best. Then what I want you to do is translate that speech into English. Translate that speech into the second language. And then the last piece, which is the most important, is implement what I call the vocabulary test. Present your presentation to someone whose first language is English and have them correct all the grammar. And that's what rapidly increases your confidence when speaking in a second language. Brilliant. So if I having, I'm having some problems speaking in public or speaking online, I come to you. What do you do for me? How, you, how, how do you make me um, an amazing public speaker or an amazing communicator online? Yeah, absolutely, Dennis. You know, what I would say in the online world is that the difference between online and offline is threefold. Number one is eye contact. So when we're in online, whether you're speaking in front of one or 10,000 people, you only have to look in one area, which is the camera lens. Don't look anywhere else. But in person, when you're in a classroom, you can't do that. You have to move your body, move your head, so you could look at other people in the eye. That's difference number one. Difference number two is energy. Let's face it, Dennis. At the end of the day, it's a lot easier to show up with energy when you're in person, right? I'm reading Patty's we're in Jamaica. It's a lot more interesting. You bring more energy to the game. So what do we do? We need to bring more energy in person and transfer as much of that energy as possible into our day-to-day. And the last piece is accessibility. So accessibility just means this. When you're in person, if you want feedback, you could just talk to your classroom, get lunch with them. Online, it's harder because there's more friction because of Zoom call. So you want to just get on more calls with people and engage with them so you can bring those relationships offline. Okay. There's a technique that we learned in college uh, because a lot of people have anxiety over speaking in public. And our lecturer used to tell us that just picture everyone in the room naked. And that will kind of ease the situation. I'm not sure if it it worked for some people. You think it's a good advice? That's why I started Master Talk, Dennis, because a lot of this stupid advice doesn't make any sense. And I'll tell you why. And I'm sure that's the prompt. What if they're attractive? Then what do you do? Then what? You're just going to stare at them all day? (laughs) It's just going to confuse them. Or what if they're... Actually, I don't want to go there. But what if they're the opposite of really attractive? Then what? Then you can't even look. (laughs) 
So yeah, it's not practical. So give us some tips because you said you would give us some tips as to how to get over the 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 the, the problem of fear of public speaking and become a great public speaker. For sure, Dennis. So so let's go into what I call my easy threes. These are three exercises that you can do on a daily basis that requires no accountability partner that you can just do. And I guarantee if you do it, not just write it down, if you do it, your communication skills would definitely increase. So let's go through them. Number one, the random word exercise. Pick a random word like headset, wall, chair, eye contact, and create random presentations at a thin air with no preparation. Do that a few times a day. What I always tell my clients is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. And that's the magic. I also encourage people listening to this podcast to not just do it with themselves, make it a family exercise. Do this with your friends, do this with your kids if you have any. It's always fun to do it with them because the kids are always better than the adults. That's number one. Number two is what I call question drills. We get asked questions all the time, Dennis. In our life, on a podcast, in the classroom. So how do we overcome that? The way we overcome that and be more proactive to the questions we get asked is every day, Dennis, for five minutes, write down one question that you think the world will ask you and write out the answer. If you do that once a day for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your expertise. That's number two. Number three is so simple that nobody does it, Dennis. Make a list of the people that you love people that really pour into you, people that are super generous in your life and ask yourself this simple question. When was the last time you sent them a video message? 20 seconds. Hey, Dennis, thinking about you, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Always love having you in my life. Nobody sends them. Be the person that does. It makes people's days. In communication, we have a thing that we call the pause that refreshes. How important is it to employ pauses in your presentation i'm trying it right now <laughs> <laughs> i love it dennis yeah i mean you're absolutely right pausing is so essential i know you teach that to you to your group of students as well is the importance of taking a beat because pausing like i'm demonstrating right now allows you to emphasize the most important parts of your message so if you're just rambling all the time blah, 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 no one's going to see what's important No one's going to pay attention to what actually matters. But now the better question becomes, how do you practice pausing? And my version of practice is not fun, but if you do it, I guarantee the result, except most people won't do it. So the exercise is called the endless gaze, Dennis. All you do is you pick a friend, uh, somebody in your life, somebody that you love, and you stare into their eyes for three minutes without saying anything. And most people who have been married to their significant other for 15 years can't do it, which is funny, I think. So, yes, practice three-minute pausing, staring into people's eyes. And if you can do three minutes, you can easily do three seconds or two seconds in the real presentation. Mistakes are some of the the, the major issues that people have. They don't want to make a mistake when they're presenting. And if they make a mistake, it, it, it becomes 
you know, kind of confusing and they got dis discombobulated. How important is it for a speaker to realize that it is okay to make a mistake and all you need to do is to continue and be human instead of being a robot who is just speaking eloquently as possible? Absolutely, Dennis. I love this question. You know, I always like to say is that the top 1% communicators in any industry embrace chaos. They love chaos or they'd learn to deal with it. I mean, let's use this podcast example. As I'm talking to you, I literally have a crazy writing nose right now, but notice how I'm not pausing the podcast. I'm not going, oh my God, we have to reschedule. No, I just run with the flow because it doesn't matter. What matters is just adding value to the audience. And that's really the most important part, Dennis. But we need to learn that muscle. It's like going to a gym, right? You don't become a superstar, uh, weight superstar after a few days, you have to go to the gym consistently. That's why I love the random word exercise because the random word exercise is the perfect example of chaos. Cause I could just say Turkey and you're just like, shit, like, I don't know what to do with Turkey and you just have to make it up. Okay. But if you do it enough times, like me, I've done it 3000 times. You don't have to do it 3000 times. So if you do it a hundred times, that's fine. If you just do it that many times, you just don't care anymore. You just have fun with it. Like, I'm just here having fun with you. You're like in Jamaica, you're killing it, doing great work. <laughs> like, it's fun, right? Yeah. I think I think that's the that's what the random word access allows us to do, Dennis. It allows us to start to do something that we haven't done in a long time, which is to have fun with our communication skills. I notice you, you mentioned my name almost every time that we speak, and it's very effective. I'm wondering if... It's a situation where when you're speaking to people, if you make contact with individuals in the crowd, or better yet, learn a few names of your audience, how important is that? Because I find that you just mentioning my name every now and then is very effective. For sure. Most people don't catch that, but you're a communication professor, so you do. Absolutely, Dennis. You know, you know what I would say, and I just did it right now. You know what I would say is it goes back to Dale Carnegie, right? There is there is nothing, there is no better sound to a human's ear than the voice of their own name. Right. So people love to hear their own names. That's why I always do it. And it keeps people's attention. Oh, you're talking to me? Oh, you're talking to me. And then they they refocus their attention to the person that's speaking. But what's, what's my recommend here? Let me start with this, Dennis. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not booked 15 minutes in your schedule to do the random word exercise, to send the video messages, to do the question drills, then you're not ready for the advice on the names. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. And if you try and juggle seven of them, all of those balls are going to fall. So really implement everyone. Because remember, the best way to speak is to speak. You can't just listen to me all day. You actually got to take the advice and do it. Though for those of you, maybe 2% of you who have already booked in their schedule, Brendan, Dennis, I'm doing it. I'm going to do the random word exercise. I'll give you the tip. So the tip around the name is really simple. Depends on the format. So when it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, it's easy. You just say the person's name all the time. When you're in a workshop setting, let's say small group, what I like to do is if they're my clients, I already know their name. So it's simple. And I just call on them and I make jokes about them. It's fun. But if I don't know their name, what I do, and I did this last week and I'll speak at a company, I actually come 30 minutes before to meet everybody. 
hey, what's your day? What's your day? Boom, boom, boom. And I memorize it and I go into the workshop. I had lunch with them before the presentation last time. And the last piece is if it's a bigger crowd, bigger crowds, it's harder to do. I wouldn't emphasize it too much. But of course, if you want to make a joke about one or two people in the audience that you just know, feel free to do that. But don't feel pressured to have like five or 10 names memorized. Yeah, I, I have a technique that I use uh, very effectively, but it's kind of risky in, in some instances. I'll be in a group and I'm not easy. I don't remember names that that easily. So what I'll do is to zoom in on a particular aspect, characteristic, description of that person and call that person. So I'll see somebody who is looking very, you know, pretty and uh, well decorated. And if it's a female, I'll call her Cleopatra. Or if somebody looks like Obama, I'll say <laughs> Obama. That sort of a, a, a kind of thing. You know, I remember I there was a, a drummer in one of my classes. And I started to call him Zeb, which was the name of a famous drummer in reggae music. He uh -huh. now calls himself Zeb because of that. So what 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 do you think of a, of a technique like that? What it is it is it workable? Is it something? It's been effective for me, but what do you think? Oh, I love that, Dennis. You know, here, here's my perspective on this, because th this is what I believe as a coach or a person in this industry. I don't believe there's a wrong way of doing anything. That's why you'll notice a lot of the tips. I don't say something like you got to stand up straight. I think that's dumb advice because it's not necessarily true all the time. It always depends on the style. And what you just shared is a great example of something that works really well with your style because you're that type of professor. It's a small, intimate group. You're going to be with these students for like, what, four months, three months, and it's your style. I had a teacher like that named Gilbert when I was younger, too, and I still remember him to this day. Sometimes he would actually take this even further. He, he called this one woman. Her name was Pina. He would always go up to her and go, Pina, Pina. <laughs> and it was so funny. Or, or he, would call, and he would call all the other women in the group, lady, hey, lady. <laughs> so it was, it was super funny. So I'm never going to say those things are wrong. I think that I don't think that's the right approach. I think it's more you got to figure out what is your style and then match your style with the right technique. But I'll add, Dennis, that the only way to find your, your, your technique, your style is to talk. So if you're not doing the random word exercise, you're not doing the video messages, you're not going to figure out your style in the same way that you figured out your style because you've been teaching for so many years now. Any, any book recommendations? And when is your book coming out? My book won't be coming out for a long time. A lot more to learn before my book comes out. But I would say for book recommendations, I always like to recommend Thirst by Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison is the CEO of Charity Water, started a nonprofit to help people gain access to clean water. The book's called Thirst. The reason I recommend that book, Dennis, is because Scott is the best example that I know of someone who has not just listened to these principles, but has applied them in the context of his organization. He's a masterful storyteller. And the book Thirst is a great example, practical example, I will add, of someone who used to be a nightclub promoter and used communication storytelling to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for a nonprofit, which I think is super powerful. And there's a quote in the book I'll, I'll give you to you. The quote is, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And that will always stay with me. We... 
discuss entrepreneurship, technology, and culture on this podcast. And so I'm going to ask you about your business. Are we going to do what we call the, the one-minute pitch? So tell us about your business. What's the name of your business? For sure, Dennis. So, so the business is actually the same name as the YouTube channel, which is Master Talk. And what we do is we're a coaching business that helps ambitious executives and entrepreneurs become top 1% communicators in their industries. So we coach a lot of high performers, ambitious leaders, so that they can be the best communicator in their company. So what's the pain point you're, you're, you're addressing in your company? Yeah, for them, it's, it's usually three things. Presentation, leadership, and relationship building. Presentation means a lot of the times when they speak, they're not sharp enough. They fumble. They make a ton of mistakes, filler words, all that stuff. So the first piece is fixing all of that. The second piece is leadership. What are the areas of communication that we don't think about as leaders? How do you give feedback in a way that's inspiring, not informational? That's one piece. Another piece to leadership is answering questions, like the question drill. We drill executives on hundreds of questions until they have an answer for everything. And then the last piece is relationship building, which is, yeah, sure, you know how to talk, but you got to know how to do small talk as well. You got to know how to build relationships with people one-on-one so you can build a strong personal brand to get your next promotion or your next sale in business. What's the weirdest thing you did while bootstrapping? Weirdest thing I did? While bootstrapping, what is the weirdest thing I did? That's an interesting question. The only thing that comes to mind right now, Dennis, and you might not like to hear this, I emailed 50,000 university professors to share my YouTube videos with them, and most of them spat in my face. Wow. <laughs> not you. You're an open-minded guy, but yeah. I think most, most, most university professors are very close-minded. Not you. You're a very open-minded guy. But a lot of them are, yeah, it really bruised my... Uh, my confidence early on. So that's the weirdest thing I did. And, and I was so stubborn. I should have emailed 50,000 podcasts. hosts. I'd be way more successful, but I didn't know you could do that back then. So there you go. So what is, what, what, what is the most rewarding thing since you've set up this business? Impact. You know, I never started the business to make money. And I mean that genuinely, Dennis. And the reason is because I was already making money. IBM consultants get paid a crap ton of money. Like it was never about the money. I was already making it. It was about how do we share communication resources to somebody who can't afford a communication coach? Because I thought about the next Elon Musk, who's a seven-year-old girl in Jamaica, in Cambodia, somewhere. And she can't afford me. She can't afford somebody like me. So I told myself, you know, my executives, the gift that they give me, I obviously hold their hand. I get them crazy results. But the, the, the payback for me is that I can use the money that they give me to create free resources and videos for everybody. I don't need to make these YouTube videos anymore, but I do it to really help people. So, Brandon, you notice um, I'm, I'm adopting <laughs> your style. <laughs> so, Brandon, tell us. We're going to close now. So I'd, I'd, I'd tell us how we can get in touch with you, that sort of a thing, because I know my, 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 my listeners and viewers will want to make the leap and become better speakers online and also in public. So give us those information. Absolutely, Dan. It was such a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks so much for the time. This is great. So two ways to keep in touch. Number one is the YouTube channel. Just check out Master Talk in one word and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas. And then number two is 
attending one of my free workshops. I do a free training over Zoom every three weeks on communication. It's live, it's interactive, it's fun, and I facilitate it. So if you want to attend it, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Brilliant. Now, before I close, Brendan, you have to say something in Jamaican. So I'm going to give you a Jamaican phrase and I want you to repeat it. Let's do it. Ready? Let's do it. Where are Sarasta? Where are Sarasta? No. One more time. Where you are say Rasta? Where you are say Rasta? All right. I'll give you a five for that. <laughs> Okay, man. <laughs> ah, that, that, I'll give you eight for that one. <laughs> Brendan, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. I hope my listeners got all the information that you provided. It was really of value. You really dropped some gems. And uh, thank you for being on Echoes in the Bones. Thanks for having me, brother. Such a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, Please subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review and even drop us a comment if something really stood out to you.